good evening, good morning. Uh, if you're watching or listening, wherever you are in the world, and welcome to yet another wrestling sessions podcast on wrestling with faith which can be found on youtube uh, slash dave abbott uk that's a double b o double t uh, you can also get us on twitter at faith underscore wrestling and facebook.com slash wrestling with faith uk all one word we're also on various different podcast platforms including spotify apple google and various others as well so don't know how it is for you guys in the world at the moment but we're experiencing a borderline record uh, temperatures so um for those of you watching please excuse the vulgar vest that i'm wearing at the moment it wasn't the best idea to do a sean t insanity max workout in 28 degree heat as well if you've not done it before um don't recommend it it wasn't much fun um so but it's not about me in the workout today i've got uh, an an awesome guy all the way from canada uh, an aspiring wrestler as well whose knowledge of wrestling is almost second to none for somebody of his age so without further ado i'm going to welcome and say hello to keegan Dimitrovich, Keegan, how are you doing? Doing fantastic, man. Uh, how about you? Yeah, awesome, man. Really, really appreciate you taking the time out to come onto the podcast. And how are things in your neck of the woods in Canada? They're okay. I mean, uh, a lot of COVID stuff's been lifted. We don't got to wear masks anymore, which is awesome. Uh, I go back to in-person university in September. So things are kind of looking on the upward and uh, I kind of can get my name out more in the public now because the last two and a half years, I haven't been able to do that. So it's definitely something refreshing. It's almost like I was going to a new normal, but now that old normal starting to come back. Fantastic, man. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I mean, we've been restrictions free almost now, getting on, I think, for around about half a year now. But to be honest with you, um, not going to get into politics too much. Um, but uh, the government over here, in terms of handling what we can and can't do with COVID, um, the left hand doesn't really know what the right hand's doing. But thankfully, we are now back to a situation where restrictions have been completely lifted. And the most important question I'm going to ask you on this podcast, you individually, is how are you doing, Keegan? How are you within yourself? I'm doing fine. Uh, actually, 2022 hasn't been a bad year. Uh, for the most part, it's been pretty good. I got uh, another semester down in university, which I'm very happy about. Uh, and I've been plugging away with just studying the business since I've been off university in April, left, right, and center. So most of my days now when I'm not doing anything is uh, watching wrestling and watching wrestling from the 60s to now and just taking notes and studying and waiting to uh, get in the ring next year. Awesome, man. So you're going to get in the ring next year and you've been studying. A lot of guys who I've been speaking to and women as well who are starting off in the wrestling industry, uh, whether it's in America, Canada, or whether it's been in the UK, during lockdown times, literally everything has been shut down. Yeah, it's an entertainment. It's a sports entertainment service. So, you know, unless you've got the uh, the financial aspect of a mainstream wrestling organization, uh, such as what Impact did, AEW did, and what WWE did, as well as MLW and NWA during the pandemic, where you can afford to put on shows without crowds, you know, people buying tickets. Um, it's difficult, man, isn't it? So you've been doing, obviously, some research, wrestling into 60s, uh, 90s, and maybe, obviously, a lot of current stuff as well, uh, which, judging by your Twitter feed, you are really on the money with at the moment. Um, what have you taken away from? Let's go back into the older, the, the archives of um, wrestling history, because I'm sure, like the UK, Canada, 
uh, and America as well has got a rich history of traditional wrestling. Obviously, you've got the Hart Dynasty in uh, coming from Canada, which literally needs no introduction, man. Do you know what I mean? If you know wrestling, you know the Hart family. Absolutely. So what things have you taken away from the archives of wrestling that's been a lot different to what we do now in wrestling and what you could potentially use from that? It's a very, uh, very good and complex question that I don't think a lot of people get asked nowadays because now with wrestling, it seems like there's only one style. Whereas before in the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, there was a mix of styles. Like you had Puro and All Japan, you had Strong Style in New Japan, and then you had the storytelling in America and can and then here in Canada, we're all about pure mat wrestling, hence why the Hart Foundation and the Hart family itself is um, you know, a huge commodity here. But Starting, I'll start back as long as I can. I watched Luthes and Vern Gagne from the Chicago Amphitheater, which was in 1955. Uh, and it's on YouTube. Shockingly, it's somehow on film and perfect black and white film. But wow. judging from that to now, the wrestling's so much different uh, because now it's a lot more gym. It's more gymnastic now than it ever was. Like it's a lot more high. There's a lot more high spots. Uh, and I'm not even talking about just in terms of dives and stuff, but like a lot of a lot of high spots in terms of false finishes and uh, bells and whistles and smoke and mirrors. And it's kind of become more of theater now, if that makes sense, like more of a Netflix show, you know, in a lot of instances. And I don't mean that as a shot, but it just, to me, it's more of a Netflix TV show now than it was back in the territory days where it was more about actually making the crowd believe. And I watched guys like Johnny Saint from England, who, in my opinion, is one of the greatest professional wrestlers of all time. So I've studied him. I've studied Dynamite Kid, uh, even Nigel McGuinness. I'm, as you can tell on my Twitter, I'm a huge fan of British technical wrestling. Yeah, uh, I love the mat-based world of sports style. Uh, so like watching Johnny Saint wrestle Fit Finley is one match that I really studied because I love the old school technical prowess that those guys put on and they didn't have to do a bunch of for lack of a better term, smoke and mirrors to make the crowd feel a certain way. So if there was one thing I could take from that, from that particular era in like the seventies and eighties, it's that I want them to understand that I'm not playing a character that you would see on Cobra Kai on Netflix, but really I'm Keegan Dimitrovic and this is who I am. Not necessarily with the volume turned up, because if I said that, then I'm giving away the illusion that I'm actually you know, that, that I'm actually that, that way in life. So uh, I kind of want to have a sense of kayfabe because yeah. kayfabe's kind of dead now, you know, for the most part, except for maybe two people in the business, maybe if even, but I would like to keep that aura around me and just be who I am and not have to be a second person. Like, I don't like, I'm not going to play, for example, Daniel LaRusso on Cobra Kai. Like I'm going to be Keegan Dimitrovic if I ever do that in pro wrestling. So just to be me, stick to me, and be authentic. Those are awesome. the That's yeah, great. Are the yeah, because obviously you mentioned there, obviously, uh, Fit Finley. Yeah. Um, so for those who, obviously, people who did, don't know Fit Finley uh, is as a wrestler. <clears throat> he actually had a, a big stint with Hornswoggle in WWE as well. Um, sort of 10, 15, I mean, about 15 years ago. But yeah. before that, he was, <clears throat> as you've rightly alluded to, a huge wrestler on the UK circuit as well. Around about the same time as when we had uh, Big Daddy in his palm, giant haystacks, Kendo Nagasaki, uh, Mick McManus, to name a few as well. 
Um, but then obviously, like you say, around about that sort of time or even earlier, you know, you had like um, wrestlers like Luthers as well. And there was a lot of um, American and Canadian wrestlers coming through. Obviously, Stu Hart at that time was bringing through um, not just his family, but other wrestlers as well. It's, it's amazing how many wrestlers that are non-heart related that, that the dungeon. Yeah like, yeah, like Davey Boy and Brian Pillman, Chris Benoit, even Chris Jericho. A lot of those guys trained at the Heart Dungeon, too. So they were cut from the same cloth. And a lot of them wrestled a very similar Stu Hart and Bret Hart-based style. So even though, like, guys like Owen Hart had, were a little more flashy, they still had that mat-based prowess. So everybody is very similar to some extent. Yeah, and going back to that as well, from the Dungeon, not many of those wrestlers that broke through mainstream necessarily had that or wanted to perform in a in a character type way it was very much a pure i mean bret hart when you watch him in interviews even during like his peak Mm -hmm. as a performer and ever and ever since then it's always been very very serious about the art of wrestling about performance very real chris benoit was the same as well um and obviously various others the only one that really sort of had a bit of that I can remember that had a bit of theatre about him coming from there was probably Jericho. Yeah, Jericho, um, definitely. You know, that sort of rock star, even yeah. before Fozzie, that it's, rock star wrestler um, persona. Um, you know, into- had the loudness and the obnoxiousness as a heel to really make you want to hate him. And maybe that's a part of him truthfully too, who knows, but sometimes you have to be yourself in order to be loved or hated. And, those guys back in that day did it absolutely perfectly, whether they were a babyface or a heel. There was no shades of grey. 100%. And if anybody's watched the uh, Dynamite, AW Dynamite before Forbidden Door, nope. you'll see at the age of 51, uh, Jericho's showing no signs of t- t- turning that down in any way, shape, no. or form. <laughs> so let's get back to you then, Keegan. So obviously yeah. you've watched that. You're obviously well aware. <clears throat> You're big into your new Japan, AW, mm-hmm. WWE. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're not one of those people that has a preference and then dogs the other so yeah. what type of or style styles of wrestling do you want to start performing when you finally get into the ring shortly it's another great question um i would love to do a mix of everything and i know that's a bland answer but i'm going to give a more in-depth example so for example i'm a huge fan of japanese strong style so like guys like uh, shinsuke nakamura guys like kota ibushi tatsumi fujinami antonio Inoki, those kind of guys um i really look forward to even the dynamite kid even though he's from the uk he his matches with tiger mask satoru sayama in new japan were <laughs> unreal and would still be five-star matches today so uh, I love that style, and like I uh, and like uh, I alluded to before, the British technical style. Guys like Johnny Saint, Nigel McGuinness, uh, Lord Stephen Regal. Uh, I love Regal. Uh, I'm sure I'll get into him in a minute. Uh, and then like a little bit of uh, guys from Canada too. Like I want to have a little bit of that technical prowess, like Bret Hart, you know, or, or Stu Hart, or Chris Benoit, or even Chris Jericho. So there's a little mix I want to do, but really I don't want to be a guy that's known for doing high spots like I don't want to be like I'm not going to be a crazy high flyer because I'm 240 pounds so I'm pretty sure I'm not going to be you know doing a shooting star press you know 10 times a match probably not going to happen but that's not my wrestling style anyway I'm a big fan of the gritty mat based technical work like guys like like for example I just watched a match between William Regal and Wild Pegasus Chris Benoit from New Japan it was the G1 special in 95 and 
the way they structured the match was exactly the way that I want to structure a lot of my matches. But I also want to be a guy too that can wrestle any other style. Like I don't want to be a one-dimensional guy. Like I don't just want to be a guy that can wrestle on the mat but can't do anything else. Like I want to be a guy that you could point out and go, okay, he can work with a high flyer. He can work with a technician. He can work with a guy from Japan. He can work from a guy with a guy in the UK that just does world of sport, you know, matches. So stuff like that. I want to be kind of a hybrid. Like AJ Styles is another guy that I really look at. Yeah. I was just um, going to mention AJ Styles uh, or Brian Danielson yeah, um, as those type of guys. Those are the, for me, just off the top of my head, currently wrestling. Yeah. Um, those are, are two guys now for me that you could put in, in a match with, uh, with a giant, with a powerhouse, with a high flyer, with a mat wrestler. And it would, it, it would just flow. You don't right. look at that and think, oh, that could be awkward. You know? Exactly, right? And, like, if I could combine, like, the athleticism and the prowess of AJ Styles with the charisma of Kurt Angle and the technical ability of Bret Hart and maybe the kicks of Nakamura or Rob Van Dam, that's what I would love to put together. Just something completely different that they've never seen. So if I do something, like, if I say, hey, I want to exactly be like Edge or I, or I want to exactly be like AJ Styles – they're going to look at me as a copy of AJ Styles or a copy of Edge, right? Granted, I'm a lot shorter than Edge. I'm about AJ's height, but they would look at me as a carbon copy. And that's, and that's not what I want to be. I don't want to be a clone of anybody. So if I can take little things from certain performers and then put it together and make it mine, that's exactly what I would want to do. So all those names I mentioned, I've taken something from them. I just want to put the pieces together in the puzzle to really make it who I am. You mentioned that's a great answer that as well because you, you've you've alluded to as well towards the end of that about personality. You mentioned Kurt Angle, who is pound for pound one of the biggest personalities, and he just had that. He was one of those guys that had that ability to make you absolutely despise him or absolutely laugh along and cheer for him as well. Obviously, we know that in the the world of professional wrestling, there has to be a performance uh, element to it. You have to have that. You have to project a character, whether it is truly a part of who you are, or whether it's somebody completely different that you can, you know, happily hang up once. You know, when the lights go out, you can just hang up and then walk away until the next match. So, in terms of personality and character, um, who would you, alongside Kurt Angle, then? what type of personality would you like to portray without oh. giving too much away? Because obviously performance has to grow. Yes, exactly. Uh, so that's a very, that's a very diplomatic question. That's a good one as well. Um, in terms of personality, I obviously want to be me. Uh, and I don't know, a lot of people tell me that I can be charismatic, but I don't think personally I'm a charismatic guy uh, unless if I'm, like really invested into something that I'm doing, but like I can crack a joke here and there, but I don't want to be a comedy wrestler. I don't want to be a guy that can just be known for com for being a comic relief on the show. I want to be a guy like Eddie Guerrero or a guy like Kurt Angle, who, you know, can be comedic and can make you laugh when they're a baby face, but still be at a decent level. Whereas when they're a heel, they're so despicable that Either one, you laugh at how they are as a heel, but not in a bad way, and but you love to hate them. And that's kind of how I would want to be, too. And I put this analogy out on Twitter a couple of days ago. I said, if you love me, I'm a baby face. And if you don't like me in real life, then I'm a heel. So if you don't like me in real life, then I'm going to always be a heel to you. But if you like me in real life, then I'm going to be a baby face. So you have to kind of adjust it to how the business is today, where there's not really a lot of definitive baby faces or heels anymore. Everybody's kind of in between. There's not really 
there's not really a right or a left way there's or an up or down way it's just kind of everybody's the same for the most part so I guess I would have to kind of adjust to that but I would just be for example I'd be a baby face where on well, one side of the show where they love me and then the other side of the show might hate me they might go let's go Keegan Keegan sucks and you so you look at the other side and you do something to, to anger them then you go to the other side and to to appease the others who are cheering you so but and eddie guerrero was good at doing that so the, i would have to say a guy like eddie guerrero would be a guy that i would probably study to really control the crowd yeah fantastic answer that because i think one of the things i've, I've learned from as, as a fan that that if i was ever in a position to to go into wrestling is to learn from the mistakes that were made, particularly with John Cena and at the beginning of uh, Roman Reigns' solo run, where it was it was rammed down that these guys are Superman. These are the guys you've got to cheer for. These, you know, whereas can't do that now. The 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 wrestling fan has evolved now. It's there's there is no good guys, bad guys, and the attitude era smash that together yes. because you could literally somebody like stone cold steve austin that character in real life that's a guy who nobody wants to move next door to but in <laughs> terms of a wrestler you're just like man this guy's sticking it to the man this guy's anti-authority everyone wants to see their boss get beat up right? yeah that's yeah. it and this guy's just like rules what rules you know you're just not going to know what i'm going to do but I'm stone cold and this is the way it's going to be from now on. And, you know, not looking to align himself with anybody. So I think the attitude there has certainly smashed that open. And I think the days, like I said earlier, of, of good guys, bad guys, you know, the good women, the bad women, they're long gone now. And there's a lot of shades of gray. It reminds um, me of the Joker a lot where he's, you know, he's yeah. a heel, but you love him, right? Yeah. So really, it, that was like stone cold when Austin really got big in 97 with the match with Brad at WrestleMania 13. Yeah. He was originally the heel, and the original plan was he was going to get his comeuppance from Brett, but Brett kind of took it a bit too far, kicking the guy while he was down, and Austin, because he did not tap, became a hero. Whacked him with the bell, didn't he? Yes. Him in and the he head still with the bell, did. yeah, and then just literally just bled and out on the sharpshooter. And he yeah. was still the same guy. Yeah. So it, it, it proves the power that wrestling can possess over a crowd. And I'm hoping that I can control a crowd like that just by being me. I don't want to have to betray who I am to do that. Whereas a lot of guys and gals today, I think they're playing it. And yeah. a lot of them are just like, like I said before about Netflix, they're playing a character on a show, but they don't really believe who they are and they don't believe in themselves yet. Yeah. Whereas I want to be a guy that can walk in the ring and you know exactly what my purpose is and yeah. you know why I'm there and you know why I'm feuding with somebody and you know why I'm gunning for either a championship or gunning to beat someone in this blood feud. So there's got to be a reason. And today I think a lot of, a lot of reasoning is gone because it's week to week TV. Now it's not like back in the seventies and eighties where you'd go from town to town and there was a loser leaves town match. And, you know, and that would be the story. Whereas now it's like, okay, we're going to feud. We're going to do the same match a hundred times for the next five months counting house shows. And then we'll move on to another feud. Whereas now it's like the logic's kind of a bit backwards, if that yeah. makes sense. So, no, I, I would I would totally appreciate that. Yeah, like from a, from that perspective, yeah, it, it it could be a lot of that that side of the art is is mixed up, and like you say, it's just about 
a lot of it now is ratings, 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 you know, because that's where the money is, isn't it? You know, you get good ratings, you get better sponsorship, better advertising comes in, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a, it is a business at the end of the day. As fans, yeah, it is. Yeah. And, and as fans, sometimes we've got to appreciate that just because we don't get the result we want or the matches that we always want, there is a business logic to it as well. It, it's yeah. not, you know, this is, this is, you know, this is, it is, it's an organization, it's money into and it's, it's money driven yeah. on the back of that as well. So obviously there's a lot of pressure um, when you're stepping out into sports, especially something solo like wrestling. Um, and we spoke off there and, you know, we've, we've spoke on, on Twitter as well about your mental health struggles. Um, give us a sort of a, a brief synopsis about that and, and how that's helped you put that in a book that you've recently brought out as well yeah so with the mental health stuff I was originally very um shy about it I didn't I didn't like to talk about it but it's definitely been something that's been that's gone on gone on for many years since I was about 10 about, about 10 years old so I always never said anything for the most part like I would kind of beat around the bush about it but I always had too much anxiety to really reveal it or come out with it so and when the pandemic hit, that's when it really started to get worse again. Like, I mean, it was kind of bad before that. Like I had had some struggles, you know, in the early 2010s uh, and then the late 2010s. And then 2018 was like a really good year because I got back on track. I went back to school and finished up and then 2019 was okay. But when the pandemic hit, that's when I really started to understand, okay, I can't hide it. I got to be able to, uh, I, I got to be candid with it because I'm lying to myself if I'm not. And I don't like lying and I don't like lying to myself. So there was one time uh, I was really struggling. It was, I think, a July day in 2020. And it was really bad. It was a really bad day. And I thought about it and I was talking with Michael Landsberg, who knew who I was um, uh, for some for some reason. I don't know why. I only had like maybe about a thousand, two thousand followers at the time. And so, he, but he somehow knew who I was and he reached out to me and saw my struggle because it was the first time I ever mentioned to anybody on Twitter that I had suffered from bipolar disorder, which wow. I was, yes, which I was diagnosed with at the hospital when I was hospitalized. Right. Uh, they had, yeah, they had a mental health expert there and uh, she's, she's like, yeah, you got all the symptoms. So um, when I was diagnosed with that, I didn't know if it was going to be a burden, like our company's not going to want me now, even though I can get to the arenas, I can make shots, I can make the towns and still put on the best show I possibly can. Are they going to discriminate against me because of that? Or are they going to look at me as a liability? And guys like Michael Landsberg really helped me out with that at that specific time, because originally I was going to get in the ring before the pandemic started, because there's a wrestling school down where I am and I was going to go to it in 2020, but the, then the pandemic hit. So it kind of, it kind of sabotages those plans, but I guess everything happens for a reason. So now I'm back on track, but that time was very crucial because without Michael Landsberg, I wouldn't have written that book that I wrote because that he, is awesome. Yeah, he gave the fortitude. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. He That's endorsed brilliant. me. Yeah. And, and you've obviously off air, you've, you've educated me, uh, who, uh, who Michael is obviously, um, to, to a Canadian audience he's, yeah. he's massively well-known and, uh, in, uh, in America as well. Um, but man, what a, what a, what for, for someone like that, of, of, of that stature to reach out to you, a guy who's done wrestling interviews himself as well and a mental health advocate for him to reach out for you. That must've really 
spurred you on. Like I say, you, you've done the book, which we're going to put links to uh, on the YouTube video as well, where that book can be purchased as well, um, because it's a testimony. And, uh, and I'm, a, I'm a firm believer that everybody's testimony has a positive knock-on effect for somebody okay. else. It's brutally honest, that's for sure. I mean, you know, there's spots in the book that are uncomfortable uh, with, with my mental health, but everything is 100% uh, honest. It's 100% written by me. So it's an, really an autobiography. There's no ghostwriter. There's no one else writing it for me. I individually published it myself and wrote it myself. Um, wow. So it's all, it's all firsthand coming from me. And I went through Amazon to do it because Amazon was willing to not edit anything or change anything. They were That's willing awesome. to yeah, they were willing to leave it the exact way that um, I wanted it because I didn't want anything taken out. So I'm very proud of that book. Um, and it's 100% candid. And again, it's hard to read it some in some instances, maybe for some people, but I think it needs it, it needed to be published because if we're not talking about it, then we're not helping anybody, right? Maybe someone will read a mental health book one day, maybe not just mine, but maybe someone else's and, you know, it might save their life, right? Like how Michael Landsberg just literally tweeted me out on, on that day and said, hey, I'm on your team now. And he followed me on Twitter and then introduced me to the Sick Not Weak community. And uh, that was that was it. And since then, I've really found out who I am. Really, that, that moment made me find out who I am. And as a wrestler, I'm going to bring that into who I am as well. Awesome. And that's that's absolutely brilliant. And we're going to put links on that as well um, to the organization that Keegan's mentioned on there, as well as UK based and North American ones on there as well, um, because it's it's a strength to to ask for help. You know, anybody who watches my podcasts, uh, the, the, the last handful of podcasts. Before we get into the interview, you'll see at the beginning of the video while the music's playing. It's a strength to ask for help. Yep. You know, it's hard, but the hardest part is admitting that you've got a problem. I know as a mental health sufferer, um, the hardest part is admitting that you've got a problem. Uh, but once you admit it and you, you say it out loud where somebody else can is listening, then slowly but surely, man, you know, through the grace of God, everything just gets better. And it does. And it's not to say that you won't have your dark days still, but you are better prepared. Mm -hmm. You'll have coping strategies and you'll just find things that work. And more often than not, there's a lot more organic ways of treating mental health. Absolutely. Um, but, you know, again, as I've always said to everybody, I'm, I'm certainly not against medications as well. Should people have to go down that route? Because I've done both. I've, I've done the medicated route and I've done the, the organic route. Um, and, you know, different things work for different people, man, don't they? So. Uh, genetics definitely play a role product of environment plays a role uh beliefs play a role so it's you always it's always different for somebody else something might work for somebody and might not work for me like for example i was on concerta zoloft and abilify all at the exact same time and i sprouted to almost over 300 pounds wow. right and yeah and i did not feel good taking it but maybe it worked for somebody else so i had to get off it but maybe like I know Eddie Kingston, the pro pro wrestler in AEW, takes Zoloft and it helps him. You know, yeah. so it's different for everybody, right? And yeah. Then, and mentioning him as another guy that I extremely look up to uh, because he's so open about his struggles. Because I've had my struggles too. You know, everybody as a teenager has struggles, right? And like I'm not a teenager anymore, but when I was, 
you know, you, you have, you, you, you have friendships that go sour. You, you are experimenting with yourself. You're trying to find out who you are and, you know, you can either get in trouble or you can go, go down some bad roads and guys like Eddie Kingston and myself have, and we've come out and not let it really define us in a, in a negative way. We're trying to move on from it. And we're trying to show people like, listen, you can screw up, you can mess up, you can have a trials and tribulations, but at the same time, it should never fully define who you are and you have to move forward. But, you know, in this day and age, it's, they're a little more strict on that. Like if you, oh, set, if, if you said something at 15 years old or did something at 15 years old that you would never do now at 20 or 25, people will still look at you as that 15 year old, right? That did that. And that's not the case at all. Like, you know, like I was in trouble, you know, at that age. And it's not something I would ever do now. So that that's something mental health wise, I beat myself up over and have had a lot of guilt towards. And, but guys like Eddie Kingston have showed me like, Hey, you can, you know, you can screw up when you're a teenager, as long as you're not an adult and you can make a change for people. So guys like that have inspired me to really want to go get in the ring at a big stage. And hopefully one day I can work a program with him as well. If that time ever arises that would be amazing man that's awesome as well yeah because eddie kingston is is one of the like you said earlier he's one of the most open people about his mental health struggles and it's great to see that the the people of every demograph as a wrestling fan can see that and everybody as well in the industry who doesn't feel that they can express themselves in that way whether they're in or behind in front of or behind the camera to see someone like that another guy as well i don't know if you've ever seen his uh video um the artist formerly known as big cass w yeah. morrissey as well he's done a really really good short video i think it's about seven minutes long and i've yeah. shared it on twitter before today about his struggles with mental health and yeah. um, aew did one as well and there were people yeah. like uh, powerhouse hobbs uh, Dax Harwood, yeah. Uh, yeah, Dax Harwood uh, as well, yeah. So Vicky Guerrero as well, she was on there. So it's brilliant because you're getting men and women in the industry saying, look, and they've all had different trigger points, yeah. different things happen to yeah, them. Yeah, different obstacles, man. And and people got to remember, even though pro wrestlers are pro wrestlers, we're people, man. We make, we, we make mistakes. We all have our own issues. And that's why it drives me insane on Twitter when I see, you know, people judging somebody as a wrestler right away for something they've done. And you have to look at it from a lot of different perspectives rather than just one because they're people too. They have, job, they have jobs just like anybody else does. And, but their job just happens to be in a ring, you know, taking bumps with a camera. So that's the one thing I see. But guys like Eddie Kingston have really helped change that stigma where you can have your issues, but you have to own up to them, not run yeah. away from them. And you have to make best of with what you have. And I, I've owned up to mine. It's all in my book too, guys. So that's not a cheap plug either. I'm just saying that's, it's all in my book. Uh, Cause if I talked about it right now, we'd be on here for five, six hours, right? maybe even a day straight. So I've been open about my issues and, you know, people used to not like me right? Like in, in high school or stuff like that. And maybe for good reason, because I always had my guard up and because I was always nervous to be around people. And maybe I didn't talk to people the way I should have, because I was always afraid of being judged or bullied because I was bullied as a kid too, you know, in more, in more ways than one. So 
now at 20 years old going on 21 even though i'm still young i've been able to see like from when i was 16 and or 17 and go okay that's not how you're supposed to act you're, you're not supposed to talk to people like this you're not supposed to you know if you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend you're not supposed to talk to them in this way when they're trying to talk to you or you know you're like or stuff like that but then you know people will exaggerate things as well and go oh you know this guy's a, a lunatic you know or some or they'll make up a story about you that never happened which has happened to a lot of people and yeah. it sucks because not everybody means to do stuff so for example like if you are upset about something and in a fit of rage you throw something someone might exaggerate that to make it worse than what it was and then as a wrestler it taints your reputation and now you might not have a chance to get booked anywhere because you have that stigma around you that you are unpredictable or you... people sensationalize yeah. things don't yes. it's just to get their own mini little tabloid yes. headline and, and social media yeah. for better or worse it allows people that platform as well i mean there's a lot of good on social media if there wasn't i wouldn't i wouldn't bother with it myself but there are those people on there who like you said they they grab their own headlines and yeah. you know they they clickbait people in and sensationalize things yeah. and it's happened to a lot hasn't it i mean you know recently we've we've got the the jeff hardy situation which has yeah. sadly happened now <laughs> unless you know the guy unless you've unless you know the guy inside out and you spent quality time with him it's hard to judge <clears throat> what seems to be there's, there's a there's a double-edged sword at the moment where it's oh no there's jeff he's done it again mm -hmm. three times in 10 years and although you can't condone any form of dui you, you, you mm -hmm. cannot condone it there's obviously a deep-rooted issue there you know yeah. and but when he's throwing himself off ladders 20, 30 feet high, landing on steel steps, crashing through tables, bearing in mind this guy's got a wife and, and children to go home to as well. So it's literally his body is his paycheck. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. A lot we're of all good to, we're all good to praise him when he does that, when he's banging his head off different you know, objects and things like that and getting his head smacked over with a chair. We're all standing up to applaud him. But yeah. What, what people don't seem to realize is that a lot of wrestlers and Booker T alluded to this on his podcast this week as well, is that a lot of the guys who are not in a program where, this, where, they, where they're getting regular help is they self-medicate injuries yes. and mental health issues. You know, I'm not saying that Jeff has got mental health, but a pound to a penny without knowing him, I'd say he's got a lot of aches and pains over the last yeah. 20 plus years that sometimes rightly or wrongly we self-medicate but then we take that self-medication into a situation where we could hurt ourselves and hurt others yeah. and it's you know people just got to just just sit back take a deep breath and say do you know what this guy's actually awesome man for what he's done for the last 20 odd years for professional wrestling and a lot of other men and women in a similar situation rather than just bash them and get clickbait on them let's just pray for them yeah, let's just hope yeah. that they get the support. That would be they nice. Uh, well, that would be nice because a lot of a lot of fans, I don't, and this isn't a knock on anybody, but a lot of fans don't realize how hard it is to be a pro wrestler. You know, it's not just making towns and going into a ring and taking bumps and staying at a hotel and driving. There's more to, to that, especially if guys have families. You know, it's a big sacrifice, which leads to a lot of marriage issues, a lot of divorce, a lot of separation. And then people will blame the wrestler for the failure of the marriage or 
whatnot or the relationship, but that's the life of a wrestler. You're on the road 250 to 300 days a year. And it's not like wrestling's not a normal job. Let's put it that way. I mean, it's a very, very unique, a unique phenomenon. Uh, but the thing is, is wrestlers get the bad rap because they're the ones that are gone all the time. And they're the ones who, you know, probably get frustrated because they're given all kinds of, of crap everywhere else. And yeah. they're just people doing, doing what they do. And that's the thing that I think needs to change with wrestlers in the business. And Eddie Kingston's done a great job of it, yeah. uh, of really saying like, hey, listen, guys, we're people that just do what we want to do and leave our lives to ourselves and don't try to ruin our careers because of something, you know, that has nothing to do with you, basically. You can only control what, what is controllable. And if you can't control it, don't let it fester, man. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Change the past, man. You can't. Yeah, we can change the future, but we can't change the past. And it's like, you know, the way I used to talk to people and the way I treated people, yeah. Do I feel bad about it, even though I could use mental health as an excuse? Absolutely. But I'm not going to use it as an excuse, right? I can't because, you know, I just because I battle bipolar disorder doesn't give me an excuse to go on Twitter and start ragging on somebody, right? And then say, oh, it's my bipolar disorder. You know, that doesn't give me an excuse, right? No, no. But likewise, you can't live in condemnation, can you? And in shame and in guilt. Absolutely. Because you just, it's like driving a car. Um, you're going forward, but all you're doing is looking in the rearview mirror. Well, eventually, you, you're going to hit, you, you're going to hit another obstacle. Do you yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And then before you know it, the cycle starts again. So you've got to keep on looking forward, man. And as we've said as well, you know, we've touched on Jeff Hardy. Uh, there's been many, many other wrestlers, you know, um, the late Scott Hall as well, who's had their issues and, and other people who at that time, thankfully, are still with us. You know, there's there's been great testimonies by Ted DiBiase, the Million Dollar Man, yes. and uh, and also as well um, Lex Luger, which uh, you and I chatted about on air, and you've yeah. got something about Lex as well, yeah. which I'm keen to hear. Yeah, so Lex Luger is definitely somebody in the business who has had a great redemption story, in my opinion. You know, he's somebody that could have ended in tragedy, but instead found a way to rise from the ashes and really become born again for lack of a better term and no pun intended he did so um lex was somebody who i thought was never really a big social media guy anyway even though he is on twitter so the day that i was hospitalized which was october 6 2020 i had a really bad day that day and um you know i thought about you know i thought about ending it truthfully i did and um because I, I held in a lot of guilt for my teenagers. Like I felt bad for the way I treated people at school, you know, and I, I felt bad about, you know, stuff that like for stuff I said, and then it got exaggerated and then it got spread out and it really hurt me. Uh, and, it, and it really hurt my feelings because it wasn't true. And I would admit to something if I did ever say or, or do something, but um, this is something that I did not do. So I was very upset. I was beating myself up and I was talking to one of my best friends and I said, you know, I think it's, I think it's time, you know, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta end it. You know, it's too much pain, too much agony. And what happened was I got hospitalized that night and Lex Luger, who I knew had Twitter, but I hadn't really interacted with because he's not on that often. He sent me a bunch of prayer candles. Wow. Yeah. And I was so like on Twitter and I was so blown away. And I was like, just that little, 
That little that is awesome, man. Yeah, Praise that, God for that. That is yeah. that is amazing. That yeah, is that, amazing. God's put that on his heart to do that for you. Man. That so little act from somebody like that meant everything to me, right? Because this is Lex Luger. This is one of the biggest professional wrestlers of all time, but with, with a great story, great yeah. redemption. And, you know, he saw this and took the time out of his day to even send that to me. And I thought that was something that was really unique because, you know, I didn't even say nothing to him. I didn't tag him. I didn't do nothing. And he found it and he sent that to me. So that that truly meant a lot to me that day. And it's something I I never truly forgot. That's awesome. Man. Have you yeah. conversed with Lex about that then since? I or? have I have not, but I wish I could because I wish I could tell him how much that meant to me. Uh. Uh, so, you know, if I ever got the chance to do that, you can bet I, you can bet yeah. I would, um, but you know, and it's not because I'm just a fan, but it's because he looked at me from, yeah. not, not, not as from wrestler to pr- aspiring wrestler, but from person to person. It goes above that, man. And worried about me as a person, that. right? So yeah. that meant so much. He might not even remember it, but if he does, you know, like that's awesome. But if he doesn't, I also don't mind because he took that little time out of his day to do that for me. So that, that, that truth, that truthfully meant a lot that he that is awesome. Man. And that's a great story, story. especially that, with this story too. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, anybody who wants to go out and check it, literally just type in um, Lex Luger testimony. Um, he's done some great work in the ministry with Nikita Koloff, um, the, uh, one, of the, one of the Russian villains back in the day of NWA and WCW, an absolutely lovely guy as well. He's acclaimed, definitely. Yeah, like how was said. And again, check out Ted DiBiase as well. He's got a good redemption story as well. His documentary, The Price of Fame, is fantastic. And um, so on that as well. So obviously, we're going we're gonna to plug the links, as I said earlier, about the book. And for a guy so young as well, I want to say personally, like, just how articulate you're coming across as well. I mean, you're 20, you're nearly 21. You've been through all of that. You've been a young guy during the pandemic as well. And as a father of two boys as well, it was it's difficult to see them you know, growing up in a pandemic. I mean, like you, you guys, when you, you know, if, yeah. if praise God, you're going to have your own families, you're the pandemic generation, man. You're going to be able to like say, yeah. wow, do you know, we, we yeah. didn't see anybody for two years, man, on and off. Do you know what I mean? So um, there, was, there was a lot going on there. And, um, and especially in the world of wrestling, I mean, it affected man. I mean, you know, putting wrestling aside, it affected healthcare and the care system the world over. And, and it just, you know, it destroyed families and stuff like that, man. But not just physically, but in terms of mental health. I mean, the, the, the pandemic of mental health post-COVID yeah. is like something... I mean, I've, I've got relatives who were, were, were around during the Second World War. And they've yeah. said the, the the mental health pandemic now yeah. is is almost almost infinitely worse than what it was during like World War times. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But thankfully, we speak about it more as well. And um, so, yeah, really want to uh, praise you on that, man, because that's an articulate story to come across, especially at someone such a young age as well. It's uh, it's inspirational, man. And uh, and uh, and you got a bit. Big buzz from Lex and Michael as well, man. So, you know, yeah. positives, man. Knocking on, Thank knocking on. Um, so we're coming towards the end of the um, of the podcast now. And I pray that you and I catch up uh, later in the year, man, because I really want to see yeah. what's kicked on in terms of you on the indie scene in wrestling, which I Absolutely. know your I debut is just around the corner, man. So I'm so excited yeah. to see that and get some oh, videos plugged as well. 
But I want to put you on the spot now, Keegan. So this is the Wrestling With Faith on the spot. Wrestling, quick fire round. Um, congratulations. You've managed to get yourself as the captain of a Survivor Series team. Uh, the only drawback is you're against me and my team. Now, I'm not putting my cards on the table because I get to pick my team first. So I can keep my cards close to the chest. But you okay. are now live on SmackDown or Raw, and you've got to tell us now who are your four picks to pick alongside you who are with us now, who are retired, or who have gone to be with the Lord in any wrestling organization. So it doesn't have to be WWE, and it can be male right. or female. Who do you go for as your four soldiers for the war? All right. Oh, wow. Just to pick four, that's crazy. Uh, okay, so obviously me because I'm the captain, which is which be which would be awesome. You're uh, you're a given man. You've uh, got to pick oh, four with us. You're the man. Uh, so, okay, so, so my four it would be uh, me, uh, Kurt Angle, uh, the uh, me, Kurt Angle, the Undertaker, uh, Bret Hart, and Tomohiro Ishii from New Japan. Wow. That would be, off the top of my head, that would be my team. So you've got some muscle. So You've I got to tell Kurt Angle what to do. I don't know how that's going to work. But, <laughs> I mean, and the Undertaker. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I would that. imagine it'll be almost like akin to, like, the Avengers where oh. Cap just turns around to Hulk and says, Hulk, yeah, smash. Yeah. And that's literally it. You know? Yeah, yeah, pretty <laughs> much. It'd be, it'd be quite interesting because I think Ishii would just forearm me in the chin. Brett would put <laughs> the stars Undertaker with Tombstone. Me and Kurt would make me tap to the ankle lock and they'd eliminate me. That's right it. I'm on their own team. So some, some dogs don't need telling how to bark, man. Do you know what <laughs> I mean? It's just one of those. That's great. So I've got to count that now because you've got some, you've got some uh, very technical prowess. You've got some grappling prowess. You've got some strength and intimidation in there as mm -hmm. well as a little bit of half flying going on in there as well. So, okay, then let's counter that. So I'm going to count your care angle with a Brian Danielson. Okay. I'm going to counter um let's have a look on there you mentioned undertaker uh bret hart and um sorry who's it Tom, uh, Tom Tommy Tommy yeah, yep. yeah yeah okay so i'll counter that with aj styles okay that's a great one i'm gonna counter the undertaker with kane Okay. You know, just seeing the Brothers of Destruction go uh, at it, even when they're together, where they're fighting each other, just make for some great matches. Absolutely. And um, you've got Bret Hart in there, the excellence of execution. Um, and I've got to go in there with somebody who has equally as big an ego in front of the camera and equally can back it up. And I'm going to go Kenny Omega. On that okay. As well, man. So, yeah. All right. Yeah. I think so, Brett would catch the V-trigger, though, and put him in the Ah, oh, well, this is it, yeah. Could he kick out the one-wing angel, though? Could he kick oh, out the one-wing angel? Uh, you, know? <laughs> you know what? I think the I think the, I think the two people that can kick out of the one-winged angel, besides Kota Ibushi, who did it in 2012, would be Kurt Angle and The Undertaker. Yeah. They'll be that. So those two, I think. Maybe Brock, maybe. But And Brock was actually my fifth choice. If I had to take myself off the team, I would have put Brock Lesnar. Yeah, okay, yeah. If I, if I was to take myself off the team, yeah. I would put Benoit in there because the greatest match that I was ever blessed to actually go and see as a fan live was uh, a WWE Insurrection event in the uh, UK. And it was there was no storyline to it. It yeah. was just a two out of three falls match, yeah. just an exhibition match between Kurt Angle and Chris Benoit. And Those two always, no matter the stipulation, had 
incredible matches. And like, I mean, there's obviously there's the Royal Rumble 2003 that they had, which was a five-star match. One of the best matches I've ever seen. And then they had the ultimate submission at Backlash, which is highly underrated. And then they had a couple, they had one on SmackDown, I believe in February of 03, which is really good. But also yeah. them as a team is probably my favorite tag team. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because they, they were a team that couldn't get along. And it made for such a good story that they couldn't get along. And you knew eventually they were going to start feuding with each other. But for that few months in the SmackDown 6, when those two were together and not getting along, but still fighting off the Guerreros and Edge and Ray, that, that was a great era. Man. It was so, phenomenal, yeah. man. Do you know, that was a great era of uh, WWE as well. Really good. Um, another quick fire one as well. Um, <laughs> so the IGPW uh, Championship, you've just beaten Will Ospreay. Congratulations. Yeah. But then the, the following week, um you um you will issue out an open air challenge in right. new japan to take on anybody this includes bullet club non-bullet club and who do you hope comes out to your open air challenge tomohiro ishii yeah for sure that's the number one match i want to have in japan uh i don't care if it's in New Japan, All Japan, Noah, I don't care if it's in a backyard. I don't care where. <laughs> Before he retires, I'm going to make that match happen. And my, like, I know I'm not, I'm not supposed to pick two, but my second choice would be Kazuchika Okada. He would be number two. Ooh, yeah. But, but Ishii to me is the dream match, the number one dream match right now that I want to have with an active competitor. For sure, Ishii should be number one. That'd be awesome, man. I'm just, I'm so looking forward to Forbidden Door because AEW certainly broadened my horizons in terms of New Japan. I was always sort of into it on and off, but um, yeah, it's just, it, it's really, really up my eyes to the abundance of talent. And I'm just blown away that no other organization in the Western world has tried seriously to get something going on with New Japan. WWE should have done it years ago. Like 100%. The money was there. The infrastructure's there. It would have been it literally you, the promotions you, there. I mean, like you could have had Tanahashi and John Cena, you know, in a match at the Tokyo Dome or even at WrestleMania or something, yeah, or, or, or just the WWE New Japan show, right? Like Tanahashi has carried New Japan the way Cena did in WWE. Yeah, yeah, you know, and I think it, yeah. And then you could have, you know, there's so many like other great matches, like Seth Rollins and Kota Ibushi is another one I wish. Like, yeah, could, that would be cool. You know, yeah, like Tomohiro Ishii and you know, Brock, maybe, you know, I think that would be unique because Ishii's such a hard hitter. The way Brock would sell, I think, would be very unique. Uh, or maybe Minoru Suzuki and Brock. Minoru yeah. Suzuki as well, yeah. yeah. So there's just, man, there's just so many, you know. I'd like, like to see a battle of the bullet clubs because everywhere's uh, got a bullet club, WWE whether it's whether the shout about it or not. But yeah. WWE's got his closet bullet club, uh, you know, as we saw. Obviously, we know now that Finn Balor has joined, um, you know, um, Edge is all stable. And and that's only because Edge has to become a face because we've got yeah. no baby faces, right, on the roster. A style um, Balor and Jay White triple threat would probably... Oh, man, can you imagine yeah. that? But then, like, obviously something as well where you've got uh, Tomatonga, Omega, yeah. um, you know, yeah. you've, you've got... You, then you've got, like, the, the, the tag teams as well. You've got... Yeah. Um, you know, um, oh, Juice. Um, yeah, Juice. Yeah, yeah, Juice Robinson as well, man. Yeah, who just um, joined, yeah, and Taji Ishimori. There's, yeah. yeah, there's a lot of new people. Like, Taji Ishimori and Rey Mysterio would probably be a match I'd want to see. You know, the battle of the junior heavyweights. So there's, I mean, there's so much stuff. You so many. Do. I mean, you look at the guys in, in Impact as well. You know, the guys who uh, who are sort of in and out. You know, you've, um, you've, you've got a lot of guys in and out of the factions there. Ace so you've got Austin, the Good Brothers yeah. as well. And, you know, um, yeah, Ace Austin. 
just recently um, turning on and, and joining it. So there's so much scope, man, to have a battle of the Bullet Club. It would just be phenomenal. Well, and obviously, as well. And I'm taking down the Bullet Club, by the way. I'm not joining them. <laughs> so, that would be awesome. So if Jay White's, if Jay White's listening, you better, you better watch out come 2024 because a certain Raven Wolf might be, might be coming to hunt down a switchblade. And I'm going to use your switchblade against you. And, and here's another thing as well, man. Before that, we are definitely going to get Adam Cole versus Jay White. I hope so. I mean, it's, that's... Oh, man, the friction's there, yeah. man. It's just yeah. there, isn't it? His ego was popped. Jay White, His White ego was popped on Dynamite. Yeah, Jay White might be my favourite pro wrestler in the world right now, even though... He's, he's such a good heel. And he, even and though... He, yeah, even though he's a heel, I love him. Like, I know yeah. I'm not supposed to cheer for a heel, but he's somebody I look at and I can go, oh, man, if I get to New Japan one day... Even if I'm a heel, we could do a heel versus heel program that would actually work and people would be invested in it and we could mix it up because I love his in-ring style too because Jay's so technical and he wrestles like how a heel should be. Heel shouldn't be doing backflips and 450 splashes and that. He Dirty wrestles, dogs, man. Dirty he, dogs. Yeah, he wrestles like a legitimate heel. He, he, he takes shortcuts. The way he trash-talked Okada in their Dominion match last weekend was one of the best performances I've seen in quite some time. And I looked at him and went, man, that's the guy I want to work with besides Ishii. Like, Ishii's the dream match, but Jay White's the dream singles program. I think we're eventually going to get a Hangman Page versus Switchblade versus Cole. Triple threat. I think that's going to happen, man. If Okada's not at Forbidden Door, I think that's what's Yeah, 100%. Don't get me wrong, but I love Jay White, though. He might be my favorite right now. Awesome. Well, Keegan, it's been an absolute pleasure, man. Uh, really, really appreciate your time. Me and you could wax lyrical about this uh, for hours, yeah. not just about wrestling, but about mental health as well, man. So yeah. we're definitely going to, we must arrange a catch up, mate, say in about five, six months time, see yeah. where you've kicked on in your career. And um, we can talk more about, obviously, what's changing the landscape of wrestling um, since this one as well. But it just leaves me to say, now the platform's yours, brother plug anything and everything that you've got online so people can check you out sure you can follow me on twitter at keegan rw that's where i'm my most active uh i'm trying to get my twitch up there too keegan rw gaming and obviously my youtube's at keegan rw where i just mostly post uh promos and that and segments but other than that i don't really do anything else on my youtube i'm not the most technologically there's some cool promos on there though man i like them some quite dark moody sort of uh i was thinking like you've got elements of taker elements of w morrissey going on a little bit of canyon in there as well but also like a little bit of mysticism of of new japan in there as well so yeah that's just me talking that's not me playing a gimmick that's not me reading a script that's 100 me talking from my brain and my heart so 100% 100% man. Ah, so get, get clicking on there guys and get yeah. subscribing not just to Wrestling With Faith but get subscribing to Keegan's channel as well just to keep updated yep. with his career and uh, his, you know, his book on mental health man you know let's, let's you. just get involved and get supported so it just leaves me uh, Dave from Wrestling With Faith to say a big thank you to Keegan Dimitrovich and uh, we will catch up soon. Um, please like, subscribe, and again, follow us on um, YouTube slash um, Dave Abbott UK. You can also type in Wrestling With Faith UK and it'll come up on there as well. And it's facebook.com, Wrestling With Faith UK. And Twitter is faith underscore wrestling. So thank you much for your time and your patience, folks. And you've been listening to Keegan Dimitrovich on Wrestling With Faith. <laughs>